This is Bob Ambrogi, and welcome to This Week in Legal Blogging, presented by LexBlog. LexBlog is home to the world's largest community of legal bloggers, and is the industry-leading provider of professional blogs and turnkey digital publishing solutions to lawyers and to the world's largest law firms for more than 16 years. Once again, this is Bob Ambrogi from Law Sites Blog and host of This Week in Legal Blogging. And today I am joined by Jennifer Mora, Senior Counsel at Seifarth and Assistant Editor of their blog, The Blunt Truth. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It's good to speak with you. Now, did I see that you only recently became Assistant Editor of, of this blog? That's correct. I was asked to become assistant editor last week, uh, partly because there was a need for somebody internally to, you know, put a second set of eyes on blogs, but also because I probably am one of the top bloggers on that particular blog. So it made sense. But yes, I am new to this role. I'm very excited about it. All right. So this is like breaking news we have here then. Uh... Yes. <laughs> Well, why don't we start by just telling me a little bit about your practice uh, and what you do outside the blogging world? Sure. I, as you said, I'm at senior counsel at Cypher Shaw. I'm in San Francisco, California. I actually relocated up here from Los Angeles during the pandemic because for some reason I thought that would be a good idea. Uh, That's a separate blog. That's a blog. We can do a whole Um, show on that probably. Exactly. Um, I've been doing management side labor and employment law for 20 years. I've always been in a big firm environment. I'd say in the last five or so years, I've uh, really dug into the uh, growing body of law that regulates uh, recreational and medical marijuana, particularly how that impacts employers. A bigger part of my practice is uh, background screening. So I advise employers on building background check programs, whether it's pre-employment or during employment, Um, you know, how to make decisions when they find out somebody has been convicted of a crime, things like that. So I kind of get with my practice with the background screening and then the marijuana advice, I kind of deal with either ex-offenders or people who want to use uh, pot. So it's kind of an interesting um, array of things I have going on in my practice. Never a dull moment, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I have to wonder uh, when when you went to law school whether you you thought your legal career was going to end up uh, involving marijuana law at any point. Uh... No, <laughs> no, I actually went to law school thinking I was going to go work somewhere like the Innocence Projects. You know, I was going to save the world, uh, but sometimes people just for whatever reason, take a different direction once they graduate. So I ended up on on the corporate side. Yeah. Well, you worked at the NLRB as a, while you were in law school, right? Did I see that on your resume? I did. I interned there, which was really nice because uh, there's a lot of things that you can do at the NLRB and not necessarily need a law license. So I was actually able to handle a lot of things as a law student that the board agents get to do, oversee elections, um, investigate unfair labor practices, things like that. And it's been very helpful in my practice when I'm not doing background screening or drug and alcohol or marijuana advice. I'm, I'm helping employers with their union related issues. So I have a very interesting kind of combination of things going on in my practice. I, and that's, I mean, that's more labor management relations. And it sounds like you're more on the employment side now, more focused on employment matters. That's, yeah. I mean, 
I, I still do um, the labor relations side as well, but the marijuana and the background check stuff, yeah, that's all that's all employment stuff. And I do, you know, your day-to-day counseling, employer side counseling, handbooks, policy, stuff like that. But that's uh don't tell my colleagues that, but you know, my marijuana and background check stuff is far more interesting than than those things. But you know, they're necessary and, and they're a good part of my practice as well. Yeah, and, and how did you get into the marijuana stuff? I sort of fell into it really it started with drug testing because there aren't very many people attorneys who advise on drug testing issues nationally because it really requires you to dig into the statutes uh and I just sort of fell into it when I was at my last firm uh becoming more involved on drug testing and a lot of policy work and such and then once the marijuana laws started kind of exploding uh, it obviously just evolved. It was kind of a natural evolution to include that as part of the drug testing. So I'd say that started maybe six or seven years ago, but it was very accidental. Exactly. I mean, same thing with my background check advice practice. That was very accidental as well. I never thought I was going to be an FCRA lawyer. I never thought I'd be a drug testing marijuana lawyer either. It's, so you were already in, already involved in marijuana law before you came to Cyfarth. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So my last firm. When, when you came to Cyfarth, um, was uh, the the blog the Blunt Truth was that already going at that point, or did you help launch it? No, the the Blunt Truth actually was in place when I joined, and it was kind of a really good opportunity for me to start blogging more about the subject. My last firm didn't at the time. I don't know if they do now, but they didn't at the time have a blog dedicated to drug testing and marijuana issues. So it was actually really. Uh, amazing to me that I ended up joining a firm that had its own dedicated blog to, blog to this. But yeah, it was here. I think it's grown in popularity more over the last couple of years. I'm certainly not going to take credit for that, but uh, I think we're getting a lot more readers, um, a lot more people uh, attending our webinars because we we uh, blog about, you know, post something about a webinar. So it's a very informative blog and I'm really, really happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I actually I, I write a column uh, on Above the Law, and way back in 2018, I, I wrote a uh, column titled "High Times for Cannabis Law Blogs," <laughs> uh, in which I mentioned yeah. at your blog uh, as one of uh, I, well, as one of them. But I was actually surprised at the time how many uh, blogs had sprung up in recent years devoted to some aspects of of cannabis law. Uh, but uh, you guys get super credit for. <laughs> for the name, which I think is one of the best names of a blog ever. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, I guess you weren't there when they named it. I would have loved to know the backstory of how they uh, how they came up with that or whether there was a lot of debate about it. No, and I suppose I should have probably investigated that before we talked because I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, I do. I do agree that we have a very, a very uh, uh, good, we have a good name. And, and the, the interesting thing is I feel like this is you know, some people hate puns. Yeah, um, I love puns. Or, you know, titles <laughs> like that. Yeah, uh, my stepdad, too. He's just the pun master. But um, we, we uh, it's, I feel like this is the one area of law where we're constantly seeing everybody put some sort of pun, you know, yeah. high times. Right. I think I did a, a blog, you know, the CBD craze and clearing through the haze. And, and there's, there's so many different ways you could get creative with titles, whether it's for a blog or a webinar in this space. So um, yeah, as I've been seeing other blogs popping up, people are starting to get a little creative. I I like to think that I came up with uh, the hashtag weed at work, but I'm starting to see others uh, use it. So I don't know if they copied me or if it's just like so obvious, uh, 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 you know, a hashtag, but it's one that I like to post on my LinkedIn page when I post an article. 
See, you should have copyrighted that hashtag. But... I absolutely should have. <laughs> and, and you get to have great, great features on your blog, like the Week in Weed. Yep, the Week in Weed is our. Title. We have um, we have somebody who works on our blog. One of our staff members who is really good at at gathering other news stories and kind of keeping everybody up to date on what's happening everywhere. We, you know, because we can't obviously report on everything, and there's so many different. Um, issues that are popping up with respect to marijuana. It's not just employment stuff. There's real estate issues. There's, you know, now there's unionization of issues of actual cannabis workers. And then there's always, you know, somebody's talking about doing something in a state. So the weekend weed is kind of that compilation of, you know, putting information out there of everything that we kind of saw that looked interesting that other people might want to hear about, even if it's linking to other, other sources of information. So I'm sure it's, obvious to our listeners at this point what your blog is focused on. But I mean, is there a particular focus and what, what do you cover? What what types of stories do you cover on The Blunt Truth? We cover a lot of it, I would say, I think most of it is employment. So, you know, bringing employers up to date on a new marijuana law, whether it's recreational or uh, medicinal, uh, bringing employers up to date on case developments. Um, but we've also been blogging too about since, since, uh, my firm is not, um, employment focused. We do have a real estate practice. We have corporate practice, um, healthcare practice. We're able to post articles on the blunt truth regarding other issues. So for example, uh, you know, the FDA is getting very interested in CBD, um, because CBD, CBD is becoming so popular, but it's not regulated. And so every time the FDA holds a hearing or what have you, it's an opportunity for our, our healthcare attorneys and corporate attorneys to kind of showcase that. If there's real estate issues, they can write a blog about that. Uh, transactional issues, somebody could blog about that. But I would say for the most part, it's employment, um, I, I, mostly because that seems to be where the biggest concern is. Um, you know, in, in most practices, because employers are impacted so much by these laws and they're all kind of struggling with what to do. So we try to, you know, keep them informed and and uh, use the use the blog for that reason. Yeah. What are some of the big issues for employers involving marijuana law? Um, I would say the biggest issue really is um, maintaining a safe workplace. Um, we're we're struggling most with. Our safety, our, our employer clients that have safety sensitive jobs and, and we're starting to see some of these laws that, for example, New York and New Jersey just passed recreational marijuana laws, which essentially say employers cannot take action against somebody for off-duty use of marijuana. And there's no exceptions for safety sensitive roles. And so you can imagine, you know, an, uh, an employee who operates a, a forklift is you know, smoking up first thing in the morning uh, and coming to work high and the employer doesn't know about it. So there, there's just kind of a lot of issues that are cropping up with respect to um, recreational. And then on the medical side, again, how do you, you know, navigate the laws? They're all very different in all these states. Uh, many of the laws are now starting to provide protections in terms of employers having to provide accommodations to people who use it medicinally. Maybe they have anxiety or migraines or, you know, I've seen all kinds of different um, ailments and, and an employee wants the employer to bend its drug and alcohol policy to accommodate that off-duty use. Well, you know, employers have an obligation to maintain a safe work environment. So 
I, I think that's the biggest issue. Um, you know, non-safety sensitive jobs might be a little bit easier to navigate. You know, some employers are having to decide whether or not to even consider marijuana use at all. Maybe they're in an industry where uh, people, applicants and employees use it a lot. And so they're finding, a, you know, hard to hire people because nobody can pass a drug test. So there's all kinds of different issues coming up for employers. But I think that, you know, making sure that somebody doesn't come to work and, you know, cause a serious accident or kill somebody is probably the most important. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, um, I not to be sarcastic, I mean, I, I, when I was younger, I worked at a number of factory jobs, and I, I know some of those forklift drivers were getting toked up way back then. Uh, so uh, mm -hmm. I, I can imagine it's only worse now. But uh, what, you, you mentioned this, this uh, issue of, of unionization efforts uh, in among cannabis workers. Where is that happening? I mean, is, is this people who are, who are growing cannabis or working in, in retail outlets, or where, where is that happening? I think it's more on, and I don't, I don't, I haven't spent a lot of time in the last couple of years working with actual cannabis companies. We have um, other attorneys that do that, but I believe that it's more on the manufacturing. So if you imagine there's the people who actually are out working in the fields and handling the marijuana plant, mm -hmm. um, depending on what they do, they actually might be exempt from federal labor laws. And there was an advice memo that just came out, the NLRB put out regarding whether or not the National Labor Relations Act applies to those people because there's an exception for agricultural workers. Mm -hmm. But it becomes a little bit more complicated once you start getting into the processing and turning it into the end use product. I think that when you start um, evolving into that end of the process, then unions are getting a little bit more, they're able to get in kind of or they're able to get those types of workers. So I think I just saw, I don't know if it was on the blunt truth or somebody sent me, you know, cause they know, they know that I do the labor stuff, an interesting article about uh, a cannabis company, I believe in the Northeast that was just organized by, I think the UFCW. I so, think yeah, that was I on your blog. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. see, I see what here out <laughs> unionization efforts spreading throughout the cannabis industry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it depends on what the workers do because if they are considered agricultural workers, um, under the NLRA standard, which they adopt the FLSA standard, it's all very confusing, then it's possible they might not be, the union might not be able to organize in that way, but they might be subject to state uh, state labor laws, yeah. have protections that way. So yeah. it's very interesting. So so when you came to Cypharth and this, this blog was already go, a going, uh, going thing at that point, uh, how, did, how did you get involved? Did you just stand up and say, hey, I'd like to write for that? Or, or did somebody <laughs> recruit you? I've always been a blogger. When I was at my last firm, I, I, I won one of the JD Supra awards for, you know, most articles. And at that time, that was because I was doing so much in the background check and labor space. I find that with blogging, um, when you write about a subject or a case or a new law, you actually have to read it. Uh, and that's not to say that lawyers aren't out there actually reading the laws, but I find that um, I, I like to stay on top of things. And so blogging is an opportunity for me to really dig into the statute and the case and really understand what it says. That way I can then write about it, right? Because I'm not going to you know, go copy somebody else's blog. That would just be wrong. And right. maybe it's wrong. And um, But I, I don't remember 
the first one I wrote, but I'm sure what ended up happening was I reached out to our marketing people and said, hey, I want to write about probably a case. Uh, and they might have then said, well, we have this, you know, the blunt truth, or it's possible somebody reached out to me. I feel like <laughs> time flies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have our firm has a bunch of blogs. Yeah. Uh, we have a labor management management relations blog. I think you've talked to some other people um, at my yeah. firm about their blogs. And so, um, and, and, you know, we have, you know, we do regular client alerts too, but sometimes if the alert, you know, is, is nationally important, but it's also focused on something very narrow, like marijuana, then we'll get it out kind of two ways. So I, I'm pretty sure that's how it happened is I, I think I probably just stumbled across the blog as I was volunteering to do some writing opportunities. Yeah. And now I've just become very bossy. I just write them and say, I'm writing on this. I'll send it to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now that you uh, have this uh, assistant editor title, uh, how does that, does that change what your role is? Or is it just a recognition of the role you had already taken on with it? I think what it really means is that I'll be more, I'll play more of a gatekeeper role. I'll be reviewing content, you know, making sure it's written well, making sure it, you know, kind of passes our standards. Maybe, you know, if it's an employment, if it's an actual something regarding employment issues that I'm well-versed in, I might have some thoughts or add some things, but I think it's more of just kind of being a gatekeeper and, and making sure that the product looks great at yeah. the end. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't anticipate it will take away from my, actual blogging. Um, and, and I really, I mean, I sometimes tell people if I could just get paid to write articles all day long, I would. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, to me, it's just kind of, it'll keep me even more involved in, in the topic as I'm reading other people's materials. Yeah. Well, actually, I noticed that about just, just researching you before the before our interview today that you are you were a prolific writer for for a long time it looks like uh, even apart from mm -hmm. blogging you've published in any number of articles and as you say on jd super and everything else um do, are, are there particular uh kinds of stories that you most like to write about i mean do they tend to be cases or 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 something else i think cases are fun to write because there's actually a story leading up to the case uh, statutes. I mean, you know, the statute says what it says, right? <laughs> right. So you can outline it and kind of, yeah. you know, some of these laws are not written very well. And so it can be a little interesting to point out, you know, ambiguities or possible problems. Maybe somebody needs to clean it up. I know that there's already been cleanup legislation proposed in New Jersey for their crazy recreational marijuana mm -hmm. law. Um, but I find cases interesting because there's always a little backstory to it. So you can kind of write, you know, right. these are the facts and the backstory and then, you know, talk about the court's resolution. And then even sometimes throw in might have, you know, it might have turned out differently had this happened or. And I, so I think it's um, cases are a good teaching opportunity uh, for everybody who reads because you can kind of go, oh, you know, maybe you've faced that situation before and it'll give you an idea how to avoid litigation because, I mean, let's be real, litigation is so expensive. So employers try to avoid it at all costs. So it's good. It's, yeah, I, I enjoy most cases. Right. And then are there a regular sort of set of other contributors to this blog or do people kind of come and go or or on a more ad hoc basis we have a we have a few regulars um it really depends on the subject i tend to hoard the employment stuff so i probably <laughs> should let go a little bit and <laughs> have more contributors but since i advise employers nationally on the issue too it just kind of 
seems to fall on me a little bit, but you know, we've, we've got a couple of people who are starting to get more involved in their blogging more. Um, we're trying to get associates more excited about the topic uh, so they can blog even more. And I, I think as the FDA starts getting uh, more interested in regulating CBD, then we'll probably get more um, on that side, people more excited about that. And, and so how do you manage those contributions in, internally? I, you know, do, do people kind of approach you and say, I'd like to write about such and such and you to tell them whether you think it's a good idea or not or, or, or what happens? A lot of times uh, people will find out about a subject and they might email. I mean, uh, prior to me becoming assistant editor, I don't, I think the process really was that it went to Stan, who was our main editor um, and his administrative support. And, you know, you'd run the blog by him and he would say, yeah, great, you know, run with it. Uh, So I think now I'll be a part of that process. Sometimes too, the administrative person that um, kind of helps with the blog will have gathered a bunch of topics and send an email. We have an internal cannabis distribution list, send kind of an email to them saying, you know, Hey, here are some kind of new and noteworthy things that we've seen. If anybody's interested on writing in writing about it, let Stan know. And the last email said, let Stan and Jen know. So, um, you know, that way, you know, there are sometimes there have been some occasions, very few where, two attorneys will write on the same thing and nobody will have known about it. So (laughs) we then have to kind of navigate that issue. So I'm really trying to do my best. I think what I would like to do going forward is to just kind of be the gatekeeper, like I said, and and keep everybody organized. And we, you know, we don't blog, you know, dump everything the same day. We have a pretty good schedule. I think of doing it every Tuesday and Thursday. So sometimes I have to stagger things out. Yeah. How do you uh, come up with ideas for what to blog about? Usually it's I see somebody else talking about a case or I see uh, a lot of the marijuana laws, I'm uh, particularly those that are pending, I'll track and I might have uh, alerts that I get from the state. I've you know gone onto their website and entered my email address and said, I want to track this bill. And so as I see updates, if they're important, I might put something out on that. Uh, Once in a while, you know, if I'm bored on a Friday night, because this is what I do, I might get on Lexus and search to see if there's any new or recent cases that I might want to talk about. Um, But sometimes I might see something somebody else has written about on on LinkedIn. And I'm not, you know, I'm not shy saying that I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who get their ideas from other people and you just, you know, do your own version of it. Yeah. So it's really trying to just kind of... um, constantly keeping my eyes and ears open for any opportunity to put something out that might be of interest. I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed on this show who've confessed to like blogging on a Friday night or <laughs> or looking for ideas on a Friday night or or a Sunday morning or, you know, it's f- yeah. fitting it into all hours of a schedule. It's hard to do during the middle of the day when, you know, clients are calling you all day long. So, you know, sometimes you just have to really kind of have a little bit of quiet time to, uh, to do that um, search. Yeah. You said earlier that uh, you know you kind of one of your you see you see one of your roles now as assistant editor is kind of a kind of a gatekeeper uh, to make sure that posts are up to your standards. Uh, do you have standards? I mean, is there a set sort of a editorial style or guidelines, or or do you have thoughts about what that style should be? Um, 
I, I, I'm not a big fan of just regurgitating, particularly a statute. Like I said, the statute says what it says, you know, what does it mean for employers? Cause a lot of times that's really what employers want is they just want the bottom line. What does this mean for me? And so I like to see blogs that, you know, have a catchy intro, you know, captivate the, the reader, get them interested, but then end with, you know, here are some issues, here are some things to think about, here are some takeaways. Um, because that's, you know, a blog to me isn't just, you know, saying the law says X, like, great, well, what does it mean? And the same with even cases, you know, what is the lesson to be learned from this? And then, you know, setting aside the substance, I, I obviously want to see good writing too. And that's not something that's ever been a concern to me here at this firm. Yeah. Who, who are you writing posts for? Who do you see as your audience? Uh, it's always employers, typically human resources managers, in-house legal counsel. Um, I mean, that's pretty much any it, anybody who's really uh, involved in drug testing, um, accommodations analysis, safety, a lot of safety people, because uh, they're the ones that are most interested. Um, and, that, you know, sometimes, you know, I find that safety's uh, goals and views about the workplace and marijuana are going to be different than HR's views and goals and maybe recruiting's views and goals. So, I mean, really anybody who has an interest, any of the stakeholders at a company who have an interest in the issue, those are really my target. But I would say for the most part, it's human resources, in-house legal and safety. Yeah. And, and has writing this blog um, ever uh, resulted in any kind of a I don't know, a, you know, contact from one of those people or relationship or conversation of any kind from people who've read it? Um, I don't know. I think it's more, it's a, a lot of times it's um, internal marketing as well. So, you know, a partner in our, you know, Atlanta office might see that I wrote on something and they know that a client is having an issue with something. So they'll make an introduction that way. So a lot of it is internal letting, you know, my internal people know what it is that I do. Um, you know, I don't, I, can I think of something off the top? No. Um, but I don't do blogging for that reason, really. It's just informative and, and it helps with cross marketing and, and it helps keep the firm out there as, um, you know, subject matter in the space. But, you know, of course, that's always, you know, that's always a good byproduct if you can get clients out of it, too. Over all the years that you've been you've been writing and, and blogging, not just on, on this blog now, but has do you think it's had any other kind of an impact on, on your own career other than a marketing impact? I think it's made me a better writer. Um, it's made me a more critical thinker and it's just helped keep my name out there as somebody who is. I hate using the word an expert, but a guru, I guess, for lack of a better term on a subject. So a lot of it's name recognition, but um, blogging requires you to be a good writer. And and my writing was terrible when I graduated from law school and, you know, it just grew and got better. And I think that um, it also, you know, when you blog, you can't, you, you have to be able to write in more plain English and not so much legalese, you know, um, it's, it's sometimes hard to take the lawyer hat off and put on the, okay, I'm just writing an objective piece that is going to be helpful to non-lawyers. So it's helped me um, learn how to write better in that way. That's that's good advice right there. Do, do you have any other advice for others, uh, in other legal professionals who may be just starting out in blogging or maybe considering a, a blog? Uh, any other thoughts on what makes a blog work or a blog a success? Um, I mean, write about timely and relevant topics. Um, 
I would suggest running your blogs by non-lawyers to see if they're able to understand what you're saying. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised that people might say, oh, that's a little confusing to me or that's a little wordy. Uh, try to be concise um, and make it interesting and fun too. I mean, that's why I think what's fun about the um, the drug testing and marijuana blogging is the opportunity to use puns and kind of see some of these interesting you know, wordplay you can put in your titles and even within the article. So, I mean, have fun with it. Um, I, I think that would probably be one of my top pieces of advice because um, it's not used, something you can usually bill for and, you know, you're doing it because you enjoy it. So make sure that your audience is enjoying what they're reading as well. Yeah. Have you actually done that? Have you had those uh, non-lawyers read your post to make sure that they're understandable? Actually, yes. My mother is, uh, she's been in a, my mom has been an HR manager uh, at the vice president director level for many, many years. She's retired now, but she's always a good person. Um, so she has credentials. I mean, she should have gone to law school. Yeah, she has credentials yeah, she has other credentials than being your mom. <laughs> other than being my mom, but she's also very honest with me. But um, no, she's always been kind of my, hey, I want to run something by you. What do you think? And she always gives me really good feedback because she's not a lawyer. She probably should have been. Yeah, but um, she didn't go that route. Yeah. She didn't go that path. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it myself, uh, and uh, it's been great speaking with you. So uh, once again, this was episode thirty-seven of this week in legal blogging. Thanks so much to uh, Jennifer Mora for taking the time to be with us today. If you haven't yet. Listeners, be sure to peruse our full library of shows wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, drop us a quick rating or review. We'd appreciate it. And you can always go to lexblog.com slash TWILB for This Week in Legal Blogging for outlines of each and every show. On behalf of myself and everybody at Lexblog, thanks for listening. Thank you.